You are listening to the People and Place podcast by WSP Australia. Over the next few weeks, we'll be talking with WSP experts, clients and leading industry figures to dive into people and place. What does place and placemaking mean? And what are some of the challenges and opportunities we face in creating places for people to live, work, learn, play and thrive in? Here's your host, Hannah Blayaveen. This is part two on our episode about how we experience place and how we plan for and create places. I'm Hannah Blavin, and this week our guests explore the boundaries between the physical and digital, protecting people in online spaces, and what physical places will look like post-COVID-19. I'm joined once again by Evan Brumley, Digital Solution Architect, Evelyn Sung, Graduate Civil Engineer, Michael Turpino, our Human-Centred Design Lead, and Peter Aspinall, Principal Occupational Hygienist. Okay, so I want to ask you all, if you had a crystal ball that you could look into at the end of all this, do you see any changes in generational divides around the use of digital spaces? Evan, what about you? I think it'll be really interesting to see how things develop in terms of a generational gap. Certain generations will be becoming a lot more comfortable with certain technologies like video chat ordering things online and these sorts of things where people are basically being forced to pick up new technologies. And depending on how long all this continues, people will start to form habits. In terms of other internet communities, I don't particularly see it making huge inroads on uptake of social media, for instance. I mean, there may be, there may be small changes there. I hope my mum stops using house party. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the random numbers that come up on that one. Wow. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? I've got a question for the digital natives out there because I don't consider myself to be one. So I think about these online communities, right? And then I think about the old dude who used to go to Big Day Out when he was too old to go. <laughs> hey, <laughs> stop it. I'm talking about me, right? <laughs> You're killing me. I, I went to Splendor in the grass last year. With my <laughs> You're a legend. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but but I, I felt... You know, that little bit removed from the whole situation. But I grew up with the big day out. I grew up loving that stuff. And uh, you get to a point where you almost go, you know what? I just got to leave it for someone else now. That's how I feel sometimes. And for me, it's like I know not to go to a physical place because I know that place because I can see it and I can see who's there. And I know that's not that place for me. And I don't relate to that. And they probably won't relate to me. So I guess my question, when we don't have that visibility of people physically and people who don't have that literacy can just stumble into places and a whole heap of issues can arise. And I guess when you're in that public realm, it's so obvious, right? Like you won't walk down that street or you won't go to that club. When you're online, that, the whole kind of thing changes. And I think if I think about that generational thing, as Hannah asked before, it, I think there's some people who will know those boundaries and some people won't. And I'm interested to see what will happen with the people who have already existed in these communities for a long period of time. Do they then find another place to go? And does that push people further out of the edges of of where they currently exist. Well, to a certain extent, that's kind of the, the social network circle of life is yep. that the kids get there first and then the adults arrive and then the kids <laughs> leave. And that's one of the nice things about online networks is that they have that ability to evolve and the ability yeah. for people to move without barriers. In terms of older people using online tools, there's a difference between using an online tool and trying to sort of join in on a community because a lot of these tools, they're not one community. There are a lot of different communities. So if you take Instagram, for instance, you know, Instagram is seen as not necessarily the youngest, trendiest tool, but has a fairly young user base. But there are a heap of very, very different communities there. 
it's not about saying, oh, that particular online tool isn't right for me, I'm too old for it. It's really just about having a little bit of, of empathy and, and sense about who am I trying to engage with? Who am I posting for? You know, am I posting for my friends? Am I posting for members of this community? Who are they? And really not trying to post in the style of, of a particular tool or a particular community and just trying to, to be yourself and not try and, and force yourself into communities where you might not be welcome or you might not fit in. It's interesting. As you were talking about this, I started thinking about issues of online bullying and trolling and all of that, which we know is such an issue. And Absolutely. And how do you kind of mitigate and manage those risks right now? That's a fascinating discussion. In terms of public spaces, you have concepts like sort of adversarial architecture, where you're building for particular outcomes of behavior. The classic example is building park benches that you can't lie down on. And in terms of taking that into the digital world, the classic digital approach is your information wants to be free, all speech is free, no moderation, etc. And if you're taking these public spaces online and you want a forum in which everyone can participate, you need to have some elements of those sorts of policies in place to make sure that moderation is still possible and that those sorts of bad behaviours can be prevented and reported and so on. It's really, really difficult to do that at scale. That's the problem that companies like Twitter and Facebook face is when you have billions of posts going up, moderating that content. You can't do it easily with a team of people, in which case you get to sort of algorithmic checks and then there's a whole other problem with that where you'll miss things and you'll over-moderate, et cetera. It's probably the, the biggest challenge online currently is, is how do you build communities but keep behavior in control. There's actually a great analogy that if you think back to your high school class, so say 25 people, was there someone in that class who you thought was a bit strange and that you wouldn't invite to a party? Expand that out to your grade level. You've got maybe 100 or 150 people and how many people in that group do you think were kind of dodgy or you might be scared to meet at night and then take your whole school? You're now at 1,000 people. When you have an online community with 10 million people, how many people in that community would scare you? So your designs need to take that into consideration that there will always be a percentage of people out there who are problematic and where moderation is required and protections are required. I want to ask each of you, what do you personally miss about being physical in a place that you just can't get from this digital online environment? I'll start with, I'll start with Michael. I think I mentioned it before. Again, I use London as that example. I used to live in a place called Hackney and it was that buzz of the people, the ambulances, the police cars, the shouting, the different languages, the smells of food. Like that's the kind of thing in cities that gets me kind of fired up. And I don't live in that environment. I kind of live in a regional town on the beach and I can still hear the ocean. I can still see the escarpment and I can kind of interact with that. So I feel pretty bloody lucky to still have that connection to that environment. Am I allowed to answer my own question? (laughs) For for me personally, one thing that I miss is these public places are real melting pots of all different backgrounds and people and cultures. And one of the things that I love about going out is seeing what's trendy, what are people wearing, what games are people playing, what are they doing that I haven't otherwise been exposed to. And the limitation with the online environment is it's everything that I've signed up to or subscribed to or that my cookies are telling me that I should be directed to. I'm not getting these outside influences from things that I otherwise haven't expressed an interest in Googling. 
So that's something that I miss, that exposure to that real diversity of different things that can inspire me. And on that note, I'm going to ask Evelyn. One of the things that I really love to do and is a big part of my identity and social life is going to live music events. And sometimes I do it around the world. This is sort of places where you can see really interesting outfits. You don't know who you're going to meet. Seeing performances live and the sort of audiovisual arts that have been existing that really fill out a space. Those are some of my most profound experiences and can't wait to get back into that. Evan, anything you'd like to add to that? For me, the one thing that, that I'm going to miss is just the ability to wander around in public spaces and feel lost in a crowd. I tend to sit more on the introverted side of the spectrum. So my favourite kind of thing is to just go for a walk on a Friday night after work, walk through the city and just enjoy feeling alone amongst thousands of others. And that's something that's really not possible anymore. What about you, Peter? What do you personally miss about being physical in a place? What I'm anticipating is that I'm going to have issues with understanding workplaces if I have to work remotely. As an occupational hygienist, for me, I can review someone else's report from when they went to a site and did a risk assessment. We do lots of risk assessments. We go around and we look at things. We take measurements. We get the vibe. Even when I'm doing reports now, I'm looking at someone else's photo, someone else's thoughts, someone else's processes on the page. And it's not the same as when I go to site, when I see the, the issues, when I talk to the workers, when I actually get the vibe, that vibe you get from the workers, they can all tell you one thing, but their body language is telling you something else. You don't get that body language, that personal interaction. It's getting better with video, but it's not the same as being there, sensing it, seeing the conditions, the dust buildup. There's so many things that you pick up intrinsically as you're moving through a place that there's just not available to us at the moment. And that's what I'm going to struggle with, I think. The work that we do is about understanding people's behaviours to change the way that we design places to, to improve people's experiences. And I think you've just nailed it on the head because we're putting forward methodologies that rely on that remoteness and we don't have that. We can't observe people without bias. You know, it's really difficult to have conversations and watch people move through spaces in a way that they naturally would have. We're retrofitting our approach internally to try and solve those problems around bias to still pick up those behavioural insights. We're lucky here at WSP that we've got behavioural scientists that can keep us on the right track. But I think for us moving forward, that becomes a real challenge when we're looking at designing better places for people, whether they be online or physical. This environment that we're currently in makes it really difficult to understand natural behavior and then what's an opportunity we have to solve those problems that's a really good point i think that's going to be a continual push and pull with clients and people in this kind of space around how we can continually observe and use different tools and use people like evan and evelyn who have that ability to kind of put us in touch with immersive technology to do the best we can to bring these experiences as real as possible Thanks, everyone, for listening in to our podcast episode on place in the midst of this global pandemic. Thanks especially to our guest speakers for sharing your insights. We'd love to hear from our audience, so I'd like to close with a takeaway question. What do you think the biggest change will be in how we connect with each other online during the lockdown? I invite everybody to email your responses to futureready.australia at wsp.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of People in Place. To hear more, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Facebook at WSP in Australia and on Instagram and Twitter at WSP underscore Australia.